Effective Living with Reverend Henry Hubert. May you be blessed as you listen. Now, the message. Lord, you I want to say that good marriages don't just happen. Good marriages are made to happen. And what makes them happen is knowledge. And there is a need for married couples to annually evaluate how successful their marriage is becoming or how much their marriage is failing uh, by having time to deeply reflect uh, on their relationship and, you know, ask against what the Word of God says because you can say your marriage is good. By what standard are you making the assessment? By what criteria are you making the evaluation? So the Word of God is what helps you to be able to evaluate how successful your marriage become or how much um, challenge is still there yet to be solved. So I want to teach on a subject that I title Understanding Your Partner. Understanding Your Partner. Ephesians 5 verse 21. It says, Submitting yourself one to another in the fear of God. Then let's jump to verse 31 and 32. 31, 32. 31 says that, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. 32. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So, the Bible is saying that marriage is a mystery. Everybody say marriage is a mystery. Marriage is a mystery. It's a mystery. That means it is something that is deep. It's deep. It is not something that can just be grasped at face value. Marriage is a mystery. Why is it a mystery? Because two different people with different gender, from different homes and backgrounds, different upbringing, different education, different orientation, different parents, two totally different people are coming together, and God said the two should become one. I mean, this is something that can never happen under any human possibilities. And yet God said that is what marriage should be. And so there's a lot of mystery to it. How can two different, totally different people become one? Only God can make that happen. But God makes it happen by showing you how it can happen. He teaches you. He gives you understanding. Marriage is an institution ordained by God. It is the first covenant institution established by God. When I say covenant institution, I mean institution that is based on relationship. Marriage is what God ordained in the beginning when he created man. The reason why God had to establish the church, which is the second covenant institution that God established, is because marriage failed. Church was not God's original idea. If not for the fall, there will be no need for a church because the home will be the church. And the father will be both parental authority and spiritual authority. But when marriage failed because man fell into sin, Man could not remain the spiritual authority. So God had to take the spiritual authority and take it to the church so that people can be saved and go to church. God instituted marriage, but one of the main causes of a lot of challenge for married couples is because everybody gets married with a prejudice. Everybody gets married with a perception of what his wife or husband is going to be. He has already concluded what kind of man she's marrying, and he has already concluded what kind of woman he's marrying. So men think women should be in a particular way. Women think men should be 
a particular thing. So when they marry, that's all they are looking for. And before long, um, the challenges begin to come because the reality confronts people to realize that what you are expecting is not what you are seeing. People begin to manifest all manner of different characters, all manner of different attitudes and behaviors begin to show up. And sometimes it becomes more difficult because we try to want to change the people to be what we want. Women want to change their husbands to be what they want. Men want to change their wives to be what they want. They compare people. The women are comparing their husband with a father or with one role model man that she knows somewhere, and the men are doing the same. But one important thing to know when you want to have a good marriage is to understand that everybody is peculiar. Every human being is peculiar. And what makes them peculiar is because they have a unique behavior. You are going to get married, or you are already married to somebody with a unique behavior that you must learn to understand. Because if you can't understand it, you can't live with it. And if you can't live with it, then you will have peace. And if you leave this one and go to marry another, you are going to marry somebody else with another peculiar behavior. So everybody has a peculiar personality. Now, why is it that everybody, every human being has a peculiar behavior and personality? Now, psychologists who study human behavior very much are still in the process of trying to answer this question. But at least for now, there is enough information for us to work with. What is it that forms people's personality? And when does that happen? All right, there are five things that make you react the way you react, react to issues, the way you perceive life, your understanding about life is, your worldview, your values, everything that makes a unique person. Five important things contributed to that. Now, when you understand these five factors, it will help you understand why you are the way you are and what that does to you is you learn to accept yourself, you learn to appreciate yourself, you learn to love yourself. Because if you don't love yourself, you cannot love your neighbor. No, Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Anytime you meet people who cannot love people, it's because they themselves don't have any love for themselves. They hate themselves, they wish they were somebody else, they are not happy with who they are, they don't appreciate themselves. And so they cannot love. There are people who can never love anybody because life has taught them not to love themselves. Five important factors I want us to go through quickly. The first one is heredity. When I say heredity, I mean the parents who give birth to you. So if you want to understand yourself, look at your parents. There are traces of your parents you can find in yourself, both father and mother. Sometimes you may look like them. Sometimes you may not look like them in physical appearance, but you look like them in behavior. There are traits in your parents that is passed on. Science calls it genetics. There is a DNA in the cells of your parents that came together to form you. So you can never run away from who your parents are. All right. So sometimes we, I mean, we are not surprised when we see some people do certain things because you can see that their father did it. Hello? There are footballers in this country whose parents were footballers. So it's heredity. It's passed on. The day are you, the father played midfield. The father was a footballer. The father was a captain of the Black Stars. 
He is a footballer. He's a midfielder. He plays with the left. The father plays with the left. And I think he's going to be the captain one day, isn't it? So that's heredity. That's one example. The second one is temperament. What made you the way you are is because God created people to have different temperaments. Some people are introverts. They are reserved people. They don't like to mingle with people. They don't want to talk in public. They just want to be themselves. They, they want to mind their own business. They don't want to mind people's business. There are other people who also don't want to mind their own business. In fact, other people's business is their concern. So temperaments means that people are created differently. Now, nobody chooses his temperament. You are born, when you grow up, you just discover, and you can't do anything about it. That means that if you married, expecting your husband to be a particular temperament and only to find out he's not, you can't do anything about it. And you can't blame him and judge him for it. Now, no temperament is better than the other. No temperament is superior than the other. Every temperament is unique and beautiful. Now, every temperament has strengths and weaknesses. All our temperaments have weaknesses. If you marry a melancholy, you won't have much conversation at home. You won't have much talking. You won't enjoy conversation. Well, you have issues to expect. If you marry a choleric, then you must be somebody who's willing to take orders the rest of your life because cholerics are... You know, they are autocratic. They just say their mind and they don't seek your opinion. They just give out the orders and you have to carry them out. They are natural leaders. If your wife is a choleric, then you must leave the leadership seat for her to take over. Because when you are going to church, he will tell you, pass here, pass here, don't pass there. Cholerics are leaders, natural leaders. So if you know you are a man, you are a man who can't handle strong women then you have to know who to look for. But if you're already married, then may the Lord give you grace. Because it's too late now. Hallelujah. Amen. Every temperament has this strength. But you know, choleris are very good in a sense. They have their good sides. They have their bad sides. Sanguines, oh, you have joy at home. Fantastic. I mean, every day is fun. Even if your father died this morning, it's still fun. They will find something to make you laugh about your father's death. So... You can't do anything about temperament. You just have to discover your temperament. And if you want to do that, there is a, a lot of information out there about temperament. So you just have to go find it, read it, find out what temperament you have, and find out what temperament your spouse has. Then you know what to expect. If your husband is a sanguine, you can't be saying things like, oh, that's why you are not organized at all, you are not orderly at all. I mean... That's not an excuse you should ever give. It is something you expect. That when your husband is sanguine, when he clothes from work, you can't find the shirt, the trousers, the socks, and the shoes at one place. You have to find one in the corner, find the other one here, find the other one in the hall, and stuff like that. You just have to be used to it. And then you can enjoy your marriage. Because if you want to complain, or you want to change him, and that's what many people want to do. They want to change the man. You must be organized. You must dress like that. Can't you see the way that guy dresses? Nice, neat, gentle. No. It's temperament. Everybody cannot dress like that. Hallelujah. Temperament. Very important. Now, the third thing that determines your, person- your need personality is your parental upbringing. How you are brought up. What did your parents teach you? There's something that sociologists call child socialization. Every child is brought up 
with specific values that they learn from their parents. And there are things you can never blame somebody for because he was not taught. And you can't blame the parent because he also didn't know it. You know, people grow up with different values, different things they know, different things that they have learned. You know, parental upbringing has such a strong impact on your personality today because whatever your parent didn't tell you is wrong. You may have to grow and learn it yourself that it is wrong. Parental upbringing. Um, the fourth one is the environment in which you grew up. The environment in which you grow up has an impact on your personality. Let me give you examples. A Christian home is an environment. Daddy and mommy are believers born again. They wake up in the morning. You can hear the sound of morning devotion. You can hear them praying for you. You can see them hug before they leave for work. You see them kiss once a while. That's an environment. Okay, the street is another environment. Daddy and mommy are not around. Your auntie whom you are staying with was so wicked. By the age of 12, you started hustling by yourself, sleeping on the street. That's another environment. Because on the street, survival is the rule. Hello? A polygamous home is another environment. Daddy has to attend to three women. You can't compare polygamous home with a Christian home where there is only one father, one mother. Because for a polygamous home, the man has three wives, but he still has five girlfriends. And the children get to know. The children get to know. So you must ask your wife questions. You must ask your husband questions. How did he grow up? Where did he grow up? Hello? Good. Some people grew in the village. That's an environment. In the village, is an environment. Some people grew up in the city. It's an environment. Even in the city, some grew up in a compound house. Some grew up in a high-class community. Some grew up in a zongo. So if you lived all your life in a compound house where every time you have to wee-wee, you have to walk outside the house, find a place before you wee-wee. And now you are old, you have a house, self-contained, in the house. Have you ever seen somebody living in a self-contained going out to wee-wee? Yeah, what can you say about it? It's environment. The environment is stuck to the mind. And they will tell you, every time you wee, you flash, you're wasting the water. No, don't laugh. We're talking about relatives here. Now, I've shared this story before about a medical doctor who got married to a medical doctor. This is a true life story. In fact, when I finished that story that day, somebody in the choir came to tell me, it happened to my uncle also in Tema. The lady medical doctor had rich parents, grew up in Accra, you know, all the privileges. The man in a village somewhere, he struggled to become a medical doctor. Never used WC when he was growing up. What brought the divorce was that anytime the man goes to enter there, the whole place is messed up and he can just walk out. And the lady doesn't like that. The lady is grown up in a home where the WC has to be crystal white, clean all the time. So she goes in there, the place is messed up and she's angry. She will shout, insult, talk, rude, thinking that the rude talking will push the man to change. And uh, the man got tired. One day the man said, you know what? This house is my house. And you can't keep pushing me, insulting me because of how I use my own toilet. I think I'm tired of you. Somebody told me it happened to his uncle. So, so you see, what is bringing this problem in that marriage? Environment. Two different environments. One grew up in the village. One grew up in the city. But you want to push your spouse to think exactly like the way you do. To behave like the way you do. You may have grown up knowing how to use a cutlery. Not everybody knows that. 
Nobody can be blamed for not knowing how to use the cutter. You just have to teach your spouse. <laughs> One day I, I went to a restaurant with somebody and I said, order whatever you want. He said, I want to eat rice. I said, okay, I'll take yam chips. Then he told the waiter, I want spoon for the rice. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. He said, don't, don't make a mistake. Don't bring any knife and uh, other things. I want spoon. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so, the environment you grew up in has effect on your life. If you grew up in an environment where poverty is the only thing you are used to, when we talk about prosperity now, it's, it's difficult for you to even define it. Amen. So sometimes couples quarrel over what should be done in the house. Because the man wants to change the furniture. The woman says, ah, this furniture is too nice. Because from where he's growing up, that is breakthrough to have that kind of furniture. And the man doesn't like that environment. Now, you can meet a very good man or a very good woman, but the environment you grew up in is horrible. You have to decide whether you're going to live with that person or you're going to throw him out. Most of the time, it's ignorance. Hallelujah. Environment you grew up in. The last one is the peculiar situations that associate people's growth. Peculiar experiences that associate a person's growth. Everybody has peculiar experiences that frame their life. I'll talk to you a little bit about that. Amen. Peculiar experiences. Now, there are experiences that have impact on your character. Why? Because that experience advised you. It framed your philosophy your worldview. Now, have you ever seen anybody right behind his car or in front of his shop? Fear woman. Have you ever seen that before? What do you think made the person write that? Experience. Something has happened. That's what we are talking about. So there are things that happened to people when they were growing up that made them behave in a certain way. For example, abuse. People that were verbally abused. People that were told you can never amount to anything. You are good for nothing. You are you are not like your brother. Your brother is very brilliant. You are not brilliant. You say a lot of things to your children over and over and over until the thing sticks to their mind. Abuse is a terrible experience that can really destroy people's courage, initiative. They become timid. They don't have confidence in themselves it's because of abuse. Verbal abuse and sometimes physical abuse. Other experiences are there. Um, I won't be able to talk about every one of them. I mean, people that were falsely accused. You know, one of the experiences that I went through when I was growing up is, is that I was accused so much. I react anytime somebody accuses me now. You know, when I was secondary school for one, my dad and my mom divorced. And, you know, somebody else came to the house. My elder brothers were all in school. I was the only small boy in the house. That was before I went to secondary school. It happened before I went to secondary school. In fact, living for secondary school was a, was a joy. I wrote common trance in elementary form two, and I passed. I wanted to leave the house. And those days, my classmate, Eric, is here. Good. Eric, when we vacate, I have to go and stay, you know, in his place for some time before I go home. Because I didn't love home. Because every time my dad comes back from town, they have to tell him things that I haven't done. And, you know, you are saying he didn't do it, but nobody believes you. So, false accusations can make you behave in a certain way. <laughs> I learned how to defend myself very early. Yes, how to defend myself. When you're narrating something to me, my mind starts working quickly how to answer every question. I don't need a lawyer when I'm in court. Yeah, because you have to stand your word against an elderly woman. Your words against the beloved in the house, the mistress of the house. 
Peculiar experiences like rejection. Rejection. Somebody has three boys. He wants the fourth pregnancy to be a girl. He gave birth and he was still a boy. And both the man and the woman were sad. The baby picks that up. Rejection. It happens to people. Rejection makes people to be very insecure and very possessive. When somebody has gone through rejection all his life and he gets married, when he marry, the spouse will suffer because he is afraid of losing his spouse because all his life he's been suffering rejection. Rejection makes you insecure. Insecure people cannot hear somebody being praised where they are. <laughs> they can't stand it. They can't work with other competent people. The only people they want to work with mediocre because they want they alone to be praised. Insecure people, you need to praise them every day. They look for titles to enhance their image because their self-esteem is so low, so weak. You need to give him titles every week. Every week you must change the title because he doesn't feel good. He doesn't feel good if you call him by his first name. Some people, you can't just look at him and say, Maxwell, how are you? He's, what did you say? Call me Mr. Maxwell. <laughs> Insecurity. Your name alone is not enough for you. You want titles upon titles upon titles. Titles everybody knows you don't qualify for it. You go and take it. What you are not, you are trying to impress the people that you are. Insecure people are very complicated in their dressing. They don't feel okay with just being simple. They are so complicated in their dressing, complicated in everything. They, they, they don't want to be themselves. Because they are afraid that if they are themselves, they will not be accepted. They will not be celebrated. You give him five minutes, you want ten. And when you marry somebody who is insecure, how are you going to criticize him? Because he takes your criticism as condemnation. But you cannot blame that person for being insecure. He didn't work for it. It happened to him. You know, it is said about Michael Jackson that when he was growing up, for some reason, the father didn't like him. His own father didn't like him. Always insulted him every day with very serious insults. You know, insults are in levels, you know. And the father never liked him. He did everything to win the father's love. He never got it. So, Michael Jackson grew up with such a complex, inferiority complex. So, the only pop star that could sing to a million crowd till today is Michael Jackson. Everybody in the music industry hailed him, but he was not happy. He wanted to bleach to look like a white because he felt the whites would not accept him as he is. I mean, a whole lot of weird behaviors. Couldn't have a, a lasting marriage for more than five years. I mean, his whole life was just a mess. Everybody close to him said he was never happy. But he grew up with such, you know, such a, such a complex. So everything he wants to do, he wants to do it to the extreme. And he was very good at what he was doing. And people liked him for it, but he, he didn't like himself. He would do the best shows. Everybody would tell him it was fantastic, it was good. And he, he, didn't, he didn't believe it. You can marry somebody like that. You can marry somebody who has an inferiority complex. You can marry somebody who has gone to abuse. Somebody who has been raped. Now, you can imagine a lady who was raped at 10. That's an experience, isn't it? Horrible experience. And that lady will never trust men again. Will never believe in men. Now, you can marry a man who came back from school at the age of 12. Bomb in the room. Saw the mother and another man having sex. And that was a shock. It, it hit him like a thunderbolt. He couldn't imagine his mother. And he knows that daddy is at, is at post. You will hear that child being told things like, never tell anybody. So the thing is there. He grew up with it. He will never trust his wife. Such men never trust their wives. 
So you can be a good woman, but it's not your fault. It's too late. He will never trust you. He will check your phone all the time. He will follow you when you say you are going to work. Sometimes, unknown to you, there's a taxi trailing you. When you are looking too much at a certain man, excuse me, why are you looking at him like that? Are you an artist? But he's a good man. Every other area of the, of the man is good, except this one. Except this one. It's too jealous. You want to hear anybody calling you when you are home. And it's a male voice. Doesn't like that. Because he's afraid that what he saw at 12 could happen again. He's afraid. It's an unconscious thing that happens. You have no control over it, but it happens to you. You are just afraid that what happened to mommy is going to happen to my wife. Because your wife too is being called what? Mommy in the house. So there are peculiar experiences. So let me say this, that you are what you are because of so many factors. And your spouse is what he or she is because of so many factors. You have to understand your, your spouse. You have to talk with your spouse. Find out history. Find out where he grew up. Find out how the parents were. Whether they were loving parents. Whether they were abusive. Whether they were rude. What kind of upbringing did he get? Whether he grew up with an auntie. How the auntie was. Whether the auntie was very rude or very caring, very loving. You know, anytime you see somebody very stingy, huh? like once in many years before you see him give money to somebody find out most of them when they were growing up nobody took care of them nobody took care of him he suffered to pay his own fees suffered to do this suffered to do everything so his philosophy is that why do you want you want to suffer you do the same why do you want to just come and every day i should be giving you no so if you marry a man who suffered he had an irresponsible father and he suffered and suffered to take care of himself. Now he's uh, well to do. You marry him, you must be ready for sacrifices because it's not every day you'll be getting money coming your way. And you don't have to blame him for it. What I'm trying to say today is that nobody can be blamed for his peculiar personality and behavior. Why? Because most of these factors, you know, have impact on us very early before we even grew up. Very early. Most of the time from age 1 to 10. That is why if you have children today, be careful how you treat them. Because everything you are doing to them is framing their future. You tell your child every day that he's good, he's going to be good. That is the mindset you grow up with. You tell him that he's horrible, he's a thief, he's a this, a crazy person. You know, we grow up with that. And I've seen people who are never appreciated by their parents. Who are never praised by their parents. You know, psychologists have discovered that adults who are good listeners... They had parents who praised them when they were young. Adults who are not good listeners, they had parents who were very critical. So by the time their father starts talking, he has closed his ears. He's, he's looking at you, but he said, this one, I won't listen. So he grew up with that habit of not listening. So what do you do when you grow up only to realize that there are issues with your life that you don't like? Because the only way to become better than what you are now is to be willing to embrace change. Everyone say change. Now, no, nobody is perfect. Have you ever heard they said nobody is perfect? Hello? I, have you ever heard no, they said nobody is perfect? But we can always be better than what we are. Say amen to that. So, you are not perfect. Your spouse is not perfect. But what makes the marriage better is when you understand that your life can be better than how it is now. Don't look at your spouse and mean that's this how I am. 
hope you've been blessed by today's message. You can contact Reverend Hubert on 030-340-7970 or 024-33-11201. Remain blessed.